Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Ray Kessner. I've been an elder here for the last three years, uh, which makes me the newest elder. Uh, and with Andy's recent retirement, I am also the oldest elder. So uh, that's crazy. But, uh, and in another ironic twist, as the oldest elder, I am the elder to youth ministry. Uh, I've been working in middle school ministry for quite a while now and, and uh, enjoying that a lot. Um, this is actually the second sermon that I've given, uh, but last time was a year ago and it was just to a camera and everybody was remote, so it's really uh, a joy to have people in the room uh, that I'm talking with and sharing with, as well as the people out there uh, remote. And uh, if, for those of you who may be logging in through the power of the internet from Camp PBC and watching, looks like you guys are having a great time. It's good to see that. Um, for those of you who don't know me, our family's been here at PBC for over 25 years. Uh, we have four adult kids who've grown up here at PBC, and uh, we now have two wonderful grandkids, and we have three grandchildren on the way due in the month of October. The, the, the due dates, get this, are October 6th, October 8th, and October 17th. So uh, we're, I've already told people at work not to expect to see a whole lot of me during the months of October and November. We're going to be on the road a whole lot. Um, so we're, we're continuing along this morning uh, in the passage in Hebrews 11. Uh, Paco did a great job last week, and uh, we're covering a, our, our sermon series is called Stories of Faith, and we're going to look at three individuals today. Um, and what we're going to look at is how did God prepare them for their faith adventure? And uh, I want to ask you to, to just see how you identify with, with uh, each of these three characters. And if you're like me, you'll see things that you can identify with in each of them. Uh, so we're going to start with Moses. Uh, and... Uh, in the spring, if you remember, we were covering uh, Joshua, the or the story of Joseph, excuse me, the story of Joseph. And um, at the end of that story, uh, Jacob and his family all moved to Egypt because of the famine. And they stayed there, they multiplied there, they became enslaved there. And uh, as Pharaoh saw the number of, of people, the slaves that were doing he grew concerned, and so he sent out an edict to have all the babies, the male babies, killed when they were born. Uh, and so we're going to start in Exodus 2, uh, and, and it describes the situation that was going on in Egypt at the time, uh, starting in verse 23. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. I think that last phrase in that passage, God knew, is so interesting. In some ways, it just kind of hangs there, looking for resolution. Um, I'm not an English major. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Uh, but I did look up in, in various translations, and they, it looks like they struggle with what to do with that as well. They use phrases like, God knew their condition, or God was concerned about them, or God took notice of them. And uh, in reality, I think the phrase, God knew, is, is sufficient in a life of faith. I mean, it conveys that God was aware of what was going on. It, it conveys 
that he was concerned about their situation, and it also means that they needed to trust him that he's in control. So with that in mind, let's go to our passage in Hebrews, starting in verse 23. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So Moses' story was special from the very start. Um, the faith in these verses is, is the faith of Moses' parents. Um, and I love the reasoning for protecting their child. It says, uh, because the child was beautiful. And, and if you're a parent, you know what a beautiful child is like. Michelle talked about her boys. They were beautiful, I'm sure, uh, especially. Uh, my four kids were beautiful. Uh, my grandkids have been beautiful. And these three new grandkids, they're going to be amazing. Um, but also when you, when you see a child, when you see the beauty of a child, um, the thing that's, that's really remarkable is uh, you're looking for the promise of things to come. You're looking at the future. And certainly Moses, uh, that's a big part of his story. Um, so if you remember, Moses' parents put him in a basket, put him in the reeds in the Nile. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter. She adopted him and raised him in Pharaoh's household. And uh, in Hebrews, we, we skip ahead to verse 24, and we skip to where Moses was an adult. So it says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. So, Apparently, even though Moses was raised in, in Pharaoh's household, he knew his heritage as an Israelite. Um, and in Exodus, it says that he went out to where his people were to see um, their suffering, to see their hard labor. And what he saw was um, an Egyptian that was beating one of the slaves. Uh, Moses uh, was concerned by that. He felt that he needed to do something, and so he made a choice. Maybe it wasn't a wise choice, but he chose. He killed the Egyptian. And what did he find when he did that? He found that um, not only did the Egyptians uh, not like his choice, but even his own people, the Israelites, they resented him. Uh, so instead of standing up and taking charge right there, like I think he wanted to do, uh, he ran out to the desert and hid for the next 40 years. This doesn't sound like a man of great faith, does it? Moses realized that his own personal authority wasn't worth a whole lot in this situation, and so he fled. Um, but the writer of Hebrews sees something different in that. He sees faith. What, and how does he see faith? Well, first of all, I think Moses showed that he had the heart of God. God went out to um, see the people of Israel, and he... Uh, was compassionate. He showed concern for the people. And I think Moses had that same heart when he saw the suffering of his people. He was moved by it. He was disturbed by it. And he felt like he needed to act. Um, but he acted rashly and on his own. Uh, and so the, the writer in Hebrews sees something else as well. He, it indicates that Moses could have stayed in the palace living a life of comfort and ease, but he did make a choice there. And he made a good choice. He chose 
um, to put that aside and go, go see the people of, of Israel. Um, and that was his choice to step out in faith. And God was preparing him for something big. But, but Moses wasn't ready yet to lead the people of Israel. And so uh, the next 40 years in desert tending the flocks was part of that preparation. And, and then we see the burning bush. God appears to Moses in the burning bush and everything changes. Um, God was calling him to go to Pharaoh and to, to set the people free. Uh, Moses changed a lot in this passage uh, at the burning bush from the Moses that was out killing Egyptians. Um, Moses here was doubtful and hesitant. Um, his response to God at this point was not, let's go, but rather, who am I to, to do this, this task that you're calling me to do? Um, and so uh, we don't have time to go into the specifics in Exodus 3 of this conversation between Moses and God and the burning bush, but it's certainly worth more study. One of the interesting things there is that God doesn't chastise Moses or punish him for his lack of faith, but rather he gives him encouragement. Uh, he gives him gifts that he needs to get confidence. He gives him uh, signs, like he gave him the, the staff that turned into a serpent. And when Moses complained about not being able to speak clearly, he sent his brother Aaron to help him and to speak for him. Uh, God is just so gracious to Moses during this time, during this conversation. And God lays his plan out for him. So what's, what's Moses' part in this? Uh, Moses' part is to take the next tentative steps of faith and to trust God to be faithful to the promises that he's given him. Um, yeah, it was big. Yeah, it was scary. Uh, but Moses' call was to obey. And, uh, and as Moses continued to obey, you could watch his faith grow. Uh, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew 17. Uh, Matthew 17, 20 says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Uh, Moses may not have realized what was happening, but he started with that little bit of faith, that mustard seed of faith. Didn't start off pretty, uh, but God was preparing him to move mountains. And while we're talking about seeds, I'm also reminded of another verse that Jesus said in John, John 12, 24. It says, truly, tr truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Um, in the context of John, Jesus was talking about himself, about his own death. But in a sense, Moses started out in earnest uh, to change the world in his own strength. And in effect, he had to die to that vision before he could, he could move on and, and, uh, and proceed. And before God could really use him. Were there setbacks along the way? You bet. But you could watch God, or watch Moses and his relationship with God, and it continued to grow. The Moses at the end of the story is very, very different from the Moses at the beginning of the story. What about us? What is God calling us to do? Is it something big? Is it scary? Do you feel like Moses at the burning bush? Maybe there's a neighbor he wants you to talk to or reach out to that needs ministry. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe he's just calling you to pray. Maybe he's calling you to give. 
Maybe there's a ministry at church he's calling you to, to participate in. And maybe even there's somebody here who's considering going into full-time ministry. Or maybe it's something completely different. And maybe he's just giving you the next step to take. There's a cautionary tale here as well. Don't go off on your own and start killing Egyptians. Um, wait for God to lead. Wait for the gifts that he provides to do the work. And if you do make a mistake, go back to God and wait some more for him to give you the green light. There's also a comforting message here, too. Uh, when Moses went to the burning bush, he was already 80 years old. And the comfort there is that it's never too late to, to, to step out in faith and to begin our faith journey. It's never too early, either. And if you're like me, you're much more like the cautious, hesitant version of Moses than the, the, the bold, rash version of Moses. Um, uh, I have my doubts. I have my insecurities. And it may not look like it, I hope, but even doing a sermon like this, uh, I have my, my doubts. I'm out of my comfort zone. But I also feel like God's calling me to do this, and I have to step out in faith um, in spite of my discomfort. And God is faithful. Just like Moses, he provides the gifts I need to make it through and, and to do his will. Um, so God has different, a different calling on each of us. He's gifted each of us differently. And as we take those initial steps of faith, we see him and his hand at work at us, and it becomes easier to take the next step. So continuing on our passage in Hebrews, let's go to verse 28. It says, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea is on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. Passover was a huge act of faith for the people. Um, in some ways, it's simple, right? They're just putting a little blood on the doorpost um, is not a, a difficult thing to do. But it's an act of faith. It's an act of obedience. And it's also one that saved the lives of their firstborn children. Uh, and then there's the Red Sea. The author of Hebrews commends the people for crossing the Red Sea. Uh, but remember right before that, what were the people doing? They were hemmed in by the Egyptians on one side of them and the Red Sea on the other side, and things didn't look well. What was the people's reaction? Were they trusting God to provide a way of escape for them? Hardly. The, the people say this, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to do this, than to die in the wilderness. Uh, so even after seeing everything that God had already done for them in Egypt, um, they weren't particularly faith-worthy. But when the Red Sea opened up, they recognized that God was at work, and they stepped out in faith and crossed to the other side. They celebrated on the other side, and did they stay with this new uh, found faith that they did? Unfortunately not. They were quick to go back to complaining and whining uh, when things didn't, didn't go the way that they wanted them to. So are we like Israel? Do we step out in faith, and then when troubles come, do we doubt? Do we take a step back? Um, it's, it's really a wonderful thing when you see somebody who's been walking with God for a long time, who's learned how to trust him, uh, even through some of those dark times. And you can see the joy when they encounter those things. It's, uh, so now we move on to, Josh, or to Jericho, uh, the next part of the story. 
And in starting in verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. Uh, Joshua's name is not in this verse, but it's beneficial to include Joshua in our discussion of Jericho uh, because he's an important part of what was going on there. Uh, while the people of Israel were wandering the desert for 40 years before entering the Promised Land, Joshua was Moses' assistant. He spent many hours with Moses, watching him, listening to him, and learning from him. And that was part of his preparation for the coming days. Uh, and this is my, probably my favorite verse about Joshua, and it talks about uh, the time that he spent with Moses. It talks about when Moses would go out to the tent of meeting to speak to God. Uh, this is Exodus 33:11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So we just looked at Moses in his relationship with God early in his tenure. And that was a hesitant, kind of a doubting Moses. But here we see the change in Moses and his growth. We see that now when he speaks to God, he's speaking to him as a friend, face to face. And obviously, Joshua's looking at that too, and he wants to experience more of God. He, and so he lingers by the tent, just waiting and wanting to, to get more of God's experience in his own life. That's a beautiful picture and great preparation for what was to come. So what about you? Who are your examples of faith? Are there people in your life that you can point to uh, that are providing you an example of faith? Are there people that care about you, somebody that's investing in you, um, somebody that can give you encouragement, somebody that can challenge you when you need to be challenged, uh, and somebody that can help you grow. Uh, in this church, we have a history of, of emphasizing discipleship, and we've had many, many discipleship groups over the, over the years. Um, and the goal has been to pass along from one generation to the next um, how to walk with God, our love of the scriptures, and how to live by faith. Paco talked about last week about passing along from generation to generation, and we're hitting it again this week with Joshua. The relationship between Moses and Joshua demonstrates that so beautifully. Um, and as I look back at my life, I can list uh, quite a few people, many people who've been uh, uh, an important part of my life, who've invested in me, who've, who've discipled me and taught me about trusting in God. Uh, sometimes that's been in a formal discipleship group uh, or a discipleship relationship. Uh, and throughout my life, I've always looked for older people who are walking with God that have something um, that, can, that can disciple me and show me things about what it means to walk with God. Um, but many times it's been a, uh, also very organic. Uh, frequently it's in people that I've been in ministry with, uh, people that are older than me that are I've learned something, and as I watch them minister and walk in faith in that ministry, I learn from that, and I can walk in faith as well. Um, and that's a powerful thing. Um, guess what? Now I'm one of the older ones. And so um, there are, I get to look for the people that are around me that are younger than me, that uh, maybe God's put them in my life. Uh, and, and I can invest in them. Uh, one of the things I love about middle school ministry is these are students at an important part of their life who are 
learning to trust God, to walk with him. They've, they've heard the stories from their Sunday school teachers and their parents, and they're starting to learn how to do that on their own, to make their faith their own. And, and that's a, a, an exciting thing to do. But I also look at my coworkers that I work with, and frequently they're younger as well. And it's, it's just a joy to be able to give them words of encouragement and words of life. Um, so what about you? Do you? Are you hungering for more of God? Do you want to learn from somebody else uh, and be encouraged in your faith? So look for those people around you that can, that can help you. Look for people that can uh, disciple you. And if, if you're having trouble finding those people, talk to us and we can help you find a group. Or is God calling you to share what you've learned with somebody else? Maybe there's somebody in your life that he's placed there that he wants you to reach out to as, as a discipler, as a friend, as an encourager. And that was just the preparation that Joshua needed. Joshua spent 40 years with Moses in the wilderness in preparation for uh, going into the promised land. Uh, it was not a short-term thing for Joshua. It was a long-term commitment. Uh, and so we come to Jericho. Uh, the passage in Hebrews uh, talks about that. Uh, the people, uh, as they were getting ready to march around Jericho, they marched around once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And the, the directions were to be silent as they marched and wait for the signal from Joshua. And give the shout and the walls come down. That's a crazy battle plan. Uh, so whose faith was it uh, that, that we're talking about here? First of all, Joshua had to receive the instructions um, from God, and he had to pass them along to the people. But the people needed to obey that. Um, and they needed to believe that God was in that. And they did, and the walls came down. Um, and so finally we come to the, the, the last verse of our passage and the third character of today, uh, Rahab. Hebrews 11.31, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I love that Rahab is here in this passage with Moses and Joshua. Um, you expect great things from your leaders. You expect them to show great um, acts of faith. Uh, but Rahab is different. She's not from the nation of Israel. She's an outsider. Uh, she comes from rough circumstances. Uh, she's disrespected. She's looked down upon. And even her name uh, just conveys a bit of shame, right? Everywhere in the Bible where she's mentioned just about, it's always Rahab the harlot, Rahab the prostitute. Um, and yet, even so, God had an important role for her. So when they first came into the promised land, Joshua sent spies to Jericho to see what the situation was. Um, when they needed a place to hide, they looked to the house of Rahab. And when the king of Rahab, or when the king of uh, Jericho was looking for the spies to kill them, Rahab hid them and protected them. And she, she allowed them to escape through the, through the window. Uh, listen to the words of Rahab in Joshua 2 as she speaks with the spies. Rahab said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we've heard how the Lord died, dried up the water of the Red Sea, 
before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted until there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. So all the people of Jericho knew about the people of Israel. They knew what God had done for them. They saw what God had done. And it says their hearts melted before them. And yet Rahab is the one that acted in faith and the rest of the people did not. So what's the difference between the two? Um, I don't know, but I'm guessing perhaps the people in the city liked their life in this city. Perhaps uh, they were comfortable there. They're, they wanted to hold on to their lifestyle. They weren't reaching out to God, they were, but they were acting in fear. And so they decided that they were ready to fight for their, that life. And, but instead, they were fighting against God. Rahab, on the other, other hand, recognized that salvation was only possible through trusting God. Um, and she had nothing to, worth holding on to in her life. Uh, maybe she came from a place where she, uh, that helped her to be able to see God more clearly because of that, and that she could see that God was offering her a new life and a new beginning. Uh, and so she acted about that. James uh, gives the following when it talks about Rahab. James 2, 18 and 25 says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. And so we come to another important aspect of faith. Faith changes how we live. Faith results in works. Um, faith is not an intellectual exercise. It's not something you just talk about. Faith has to make a difference in your lives. Um, you can't go on with business as usual. If you're really putting your faith in God, it's gonna show up in, in the things that you do and the things that you say. They should demonstrate that. And as Rahab demonstrates, you don't have to be a powerful person. You don't have to have uh, a lot of respect. You don't have to have a lot of money. Uh, but what it takes is a heart that's ready to follow God, or a heart that's ready to obey and to take that step of faith. Sometimes it's just a little bit of a, a step, but sometimes it's a big one as well. And for Rahab, the result was that she saved the spies, she saved herself, and she saved the members of her household. And beyond that, though, uh, in Matthew, she's listed as being in the lineage of Jesus. And so Rahab, as well, started out with that mustard seed of faith, and yet it turned into a mountain. Uh, and it was really a cool thing. So can you relate to Rahab? Do you feel disrespected? Do you feel like you have nothing to offer? Do you feel overwhelmed? Maybe you're going through tough times. Maybe you feel like your life is falling apart. God knows, and he's calling you to take that step of faith. So we've looked at three characters in Hebrews. We've seen them act in faith from wherever they were. It's not always been pretty, but it's always been an act of faith. Um, and in our own lives, think about what God's calling you to do. Think about what gifts he's given you and how he's preparing you and leading you and be willing to take that step of faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and your grace to us. We thank you 
uh, for these examples of faith. And we thank you even for the people here in this church, how they demonstrate your faith in so many different ways. We just uh, pray that we would be obedient to your leading. Just help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we come to a time of communion. So if you've received the communion elements, uh, this is a good time to take them out. Okay, uh, so for communion, we have the wafer here. This represents Jesus' body broken for us. And we have the cup. This represents Jesus' blood uh, shed for us. And the instructions of Jesus were, do this in remembrance of me. Um, since we're in Hebrews 11, I thought I would read Hebrews 12, one to three for communion meditation. Uh, so go ahead and listen as I read. If it helps you to focus, close your eyes and listen. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, that so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So the worship team is gonna come up and they're gonna start some music and I'll encourage you not to partake too quickly, but, but to be purposeful in the time that you have. Spend some time with the Lord in prayer and meditation as we remember Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Then when you're ready, go ahead and partake on your own while the music plays.